Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Toxic masculinity is a term we hear bandied about a lot these days, especially since the birth of the Me Too movement. There appears to be a lot of definitions for what toxic masculinity is. It seems to be something very serious in today's culture. So how should Catholics view and react to toxic masculinity? As you know, I'm not one who likes political correctness, and this episode is absolutely no exception. So hold on to your hats because Hurricane Joe is in battle mode and I'm getting ready to open a 55-gallon drum of whoop-ass. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, He usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for Him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote the Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say the Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of the Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on cantankerouscatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. What the hell is toxic masculinity? I don't know. I've been hearing about it for quite a while now. When I first heard the term toxic masculinity, I thought doctors had discovered some mutant virus that had begun to infect testosterone in men causing death or some crippling condition. Someone recently told me I was guilty of toxic masculinity. That was my first clue that it's a behavior and not a condition. Since I try to be a good Catholic and live a virtuous life, according to Catholic moral teaching, I decided I'd better investigate this toxic masculinity so I won't be guilty of doing something that hurts somebody. I'm pretty good at researching religion and politics, but when it comes to modern cultural trends, not so much. I figured out a long time ago that cultural trends are just that, trends, and they don't really have much value. Cultural trends become all the rage until something new comes along that's more distracting than the current trend. 
Bottom line, cultural trends aren't beneficial to people who actually think. Cultural trends are for booger-eating morons who aren't capable of thought. Obviously, you're not one of those booger-eating morons or you wouldn't be here. My listening audience is made up of people who think or they're trying to escape from the prison of a mindless culture to learn how to think because they recognize the personal benefits of logic and right reason. The majority of my audience is men who are between the ages of 18 and 34, although there are almost as many women in the same age range. Unlike most people today, you've not allowed dust to collect on your brain. Anyway, I began researching toxic masculinity. Admittedly, I didn't do a very exhaustive research. I only had to read about 10 articles to realize what toxic masculinity is and that it's indeed a bad thing, just not in the way promoters of the concept would have you believe. I began with a simple Google search of the term toxic masculinity. The very first article I read as a result of that search said this, Not entirely unlike wind, gravity, and love, toxic masculinity isn't something that can be held in your hands, turned over, and inspected. But despite its intangibility, we know it when we see it. Bingo! I went ahead and read other articles about toxic masculinity, but that single statement told me everything I need to know about it. This toxic masculinity is something made up from the feelings of radical feminists that's intended to further ground men under their heels, more so than they already have. They can't really point to anything that makes up toxic masculinity, but they can sure enough identify it. In other words, a man being a man is toxic. In all fairness, I've got to tell you that some of the articles I read tried to link toxic masculinity to men like Harvey Weinstein and their sexual predatory behaviors. But that's not toxic masculinity. The Catholic Church has always had a name for that, and it's not toxic masculinity. It's sin. I realize the loony left doesn't believe in God, but we don't need to assign a new name to what we've known for 5,000 years. This toxic masculinity and other concepts from those booger-eating morons on the loony left are incredibly destructive ideologies intended to bring down the Western culture and civilization that was developed from belief in God and the teachings of the church. By the way, in case you haven't figured it out, I have absolutely no respect for the loony left. I can't respect destroyers of goodness and beauty any more than I can respect someone who comes into my home and begins destroying the place where I live. Back to toxic masculinity. Another article I read calls for the detoxification of masculinity because it is an essential pathway to gender equality. Gender equality? What the hell is that? I don't want gender equality. It's not possible to achieve gender equality because nature won't allow it. Men and women can't be equal any more than a duck can be equal to a dog. Men are men and women are women. They each have very different and distinct roles in nature. Women give us the concepts of beauty and goodness and men implement their vision. Women can have children but men can't. That's a good thing, not something to be avoided or ashamed of. The primary role of women in nature is to bear and nurture children. Mankind can't exist if women don't fulfill their primary role. It's the natural role of men to provide for and protect women and the children they bear. And it's always amazed me how God placed natural protections for children and their mothers. 
When a father isn't living within the will of God, he doesn't do his job regarding his children. Oh, he provides for his children, and if he doesn't, society makes him support them by force of law. What I'm talking about is that a man not living in the will of God doesn't contribute to the formation of children to become good adults. The mother fills that role all by herself, even if she's not living according to God's will and moral laws either. Do you know why? Because God has given women a maternal instinct that trumps any personal desire that conflicts with the needs of her children. I loved my father, but he wasn't a very likable man. He was selfish and thought only about what he wanted and whatever would please him. He was a good provider, but I think that's because he saw my sister and me as extensions of himself. He'd attempt to teach me the things he desired to have in himself, such as to be truthful and honest, but he set an example that was diametrically opposed to what he tried to teach me. So I grew up confused and conflicted. Consequently, I've always said that anything good in me came from my mother. In fact, my father's greatest complaint about me was that I was too much like my mother. Can you figure out why any good in me came from my mother? Mom never lived according to the will of God any more than my father did, but in vastly different ways. What made my mother give me goodness was her God-given maternal instinct. Men are different altogether. Toxic masculinity has nothing to do with anything other than men being men. The loony left feminists are trying to stop men from being men. When a man wants to be the sole provider of his family, he's demonstrating toxic masculinity. When a man wants to treat a woman with the respect she deserves, such as holding a door for her or tipping his hat, he's demonstrating toxic masculinity. When a man's natural tendency to protect a woman in a potentially dangerous situation surfaces, he's practicing toxic masculinity. When a man shows just basic signs of respect to a woman, such as calling her ma'am or miss, he's demonstrating toxic masculinity. A while back, a woman got mad at me for holding a door open for her to allow her to pass through it before me. She was aggressive and rude about it. I tried to be polite and counter her aggression with my best Ozark Mountain Boy demeanor by saying, Ma'am, if I don't hold this door open for you and let you go in first, all my ancestors will come back from the grave and get me. She wasn't amused. She refused to go through the open door. Well, I wanted to make a point, so I let the door close and walked away. No, I don't want gender equality. Gender equality isn't about equality at all. It's about taking things away from me and giving her things to which she has absolutely no natural right. Had I given in to that woman's insistence, I would have given up a part of myself, a good, God-given part of myself. She would have walked away possessing that part of myself, making her more a man than me. Another part of my cursory research for toxic masculinity was to look in the images tab of my Google search. You can find a lot of revealing things under images, mostly revealing about Google itself. For example, I recently Googled idiot just for giggles. When I looked in the images section, I saw mostly images of President Trump, at least 75% of them. What was notably absent was images of that booger-eating moron bartender, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that she wants to deprive us of hamburgers because of cow farts and build a train to Hawaii clearly makes her more of an idiot on her best day than Trump on his worst day. Anyway, the images I found when making a search for toxic masculinity was images of 
wait for it, here it comes, men being men. Imagine that. How awful to see men being men. My snowflake heart is broken. Not. There was one graphic I saw that really summed up what the loony left thinks toxic masculinity is. The graphic was an oval with the words toxic masculinity in the center. There were arrows pointing from the oval to words or phrases describing toxic masculinity. Starting from the top right of the descriptions, the first thing written is emasculation. Huh? What the hell does that mean? I guess that somehow these booger-eating moron loony leftists think that toxic masculinity emasculates men. No, the loony left emasculates men. They make me so mad, I want to give them such a pinch. The next one says, initiations. Well, to all my brother knights of Columbus, welcome to the Toxic Masculinity Club. The next description says, suppress emotions. Let's see. Okay, so when a loony leftist says that I'm guilty of toxic masculinity and I don't open a 55-gallon drum of whoop-ass on it, that's suppressed emotions. I thought that was a good thing. The next description is violence. No one favors violence, unless you're a loony leftist belonging to Antifa or Black Lives Matter or one of the other crazy groups. The really big problem here is that the loony left doesn't understand the difference between violence and force. Violence is always wrong, but force is something used when necessary. The loony left thinks that if I punch a man in the nose when he's being aggressive and puts his hands on me, that's violence. It's not. It's force. And the law recognizes it as a justified response to a threatening situation. The next description is be a man. Okay. And? I'm not a pervert. I'm not a transgender. My birth certificate says I'm male, and I think I'm plumb that way. I guess this is supposed to mean that if I'm a man who actually acknowledges the reality of my manhood, I'm a practitioner of toxic masculinity. Like suppressing my emotional responses, I thought that was a good thing. The final description says, never a victim. Does this mean it's now considered virtuous to be a victim? I don't get this one at all. Look, I've been shot, stabbed, lied about, had a debilitating stroke, and a man stole my identity and took us to the tune of a half million dollars. Took everything we had. Have I been victimized by certain people and circumstances? Sure I have. Am I a victim? Hell no. The victim lives in and acts out of despair. That's weak and self-destructive. The proper response when you're victimized isn't to become a helpless victim, but rather to take your lick, whatever it may be, shake it off, and move on. That's the way a real man does. A real woman, too, for that matter. You're not going to make it through life without being victimized by people or circumstances. When you're victimized, there are only two ways to respond. You can either become a helpless victim and become as worthless to yourself and others as tits on a boar hog, or you can get up and start over. Jesus was certainly victimized by the Roman Empire and the Jewish people whose power he threatened. As he carried his cross through the streets of Jerusalem, he fell three times. What did he do? Did he lay down crying and say how shameful it is to be a victim? No, he got right back up and continued on to finish his mission.
I'm usually not one to quote Protestants because they need to be learning from us. But there is something called the Possibility Thinker's Creed by the late Dr. Robert Schuller that I frequently quote because it's a roadmap for living as a real man or woman. It goes like this. When faced with a mountain, I will not quit. I will keep on striving until I climb over, find a pass through, tunnel underneath, or simply stay and turn the mountain into a gold mine with God's help. There's no being a victim in Dr. Schuler's creed. Anyone who lives this creed, and I've tried to live it for more than 40 years, is a real man or a real woman. Victims are always stressed out, and they want to get rid of their stress. Rather than embrace the suffering that they allowed to turn them into victims and learn from it, they reject that suffering in every way they can. The problem with being a victim, which is most of the snowflake loony left, is a matter of interior attitude and character. Stress? I want my stress. I want everyone to have stress. Think about it. I don't want a stress-free surgeon operating on me. I want him to have a lot of stress. Stress will make them pay more attention to keeping me alive. Likewise, if I don't have the stress, I can't get anything done well. The trick to dealing with stress is to keep it from immobilizing you, much like fear. Suffering is strongly related to stress. When circumstances force you to suffer, you have two choices. You can either give up and lay down and die, or you can benefit from the suffering. Suffering builds character and alters behavior. The problem with loony leftists is that they haven't suffered enough yet. When you suffer enough, you identify the root cause of your suffering and do what you can to change it. That change builds character and makes you a better person. If you don't make changes because of your suffering, you're either someone who needs to suffer more than most people before you begin to affect a change, or you're stupid. If you're that stupid, I hate to be the one to tell you, but you're wasting perfectly good air that the rest of us might need one day. Now that we've done some thinking out loud about toxic masculinity, I think I'm pretty proud to be a toxic male. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam recently signed into law legislation toughening the state's protection of animals against potential abusers, inviting a new wave of critiques for the embattled Democrats' inhumane view of babies born alive after a failed abortion. Get the full story on LifeSite News through the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Being pro-life is a sine qua non for Catholics. In fact, the Catholic Church has been one of the only holdouts on the international stage still defending the right to life for pre-born children. For good reason, in 2004, at the behest of St. John Paul II, the bishops of the United States came up with a policy never to honor pro-abortion politicians since it would suggest support for their actions. That's why the pro-life movement in Italy was in shock when Pope Francis praised Italy's leading abortion proponent in comments to the largest newspaper. The Pope called her one of the nation's forgotten greats, comparing her to great historical figures such as Conrad Adenauer. You can get the full story in my show notes on cantankerouscatholic.com. Catholic Catholic News Pick Number 3 
African Cardinal Robert Sarah said that the question of ordaining women to the priesthood has already been resolved by a previous pope who declared it an impossibility. This question is already resolved. John Paul II affirmed that the church did not have the power to ordain women. His declaration used a definitive formulation. The door is closed, stated the prefect of the Congregation for Divine Worship in an April 6 interview with Catholic website Alicia. Francis has confirmed this by saying, The church has spoken and has said no, he added. You can get the full story in the show notes for this episode at cantankerouscatholic.com. Catholic, Catholic News Pick number two. two. Democrat Stacey Abrams took the condemnations of an impending pro-life law to a new level Sunday during an interview on MSNBC in which she proclaimed it would be evil to ban the abortion of babies once their heartbeat has been heard. You can get the full story through the link on my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number one. Senator Ted Cruz is threatening some serious legal action against Yale Law School after he says it began discriminating against students with traditional Christian values. According to Campus Reform, Cruz's targeting of Yale follows an incident where a lawyer from a conservative law group was invited to speak at the school about the Colorado Christian baker who declined to bake a cake for a gay marriage celebration. The Outlaws, an LGBT group at Yale Law, sent out a school-wide email about the invitation asking if students who belong to the conservative student group would be allowed to participate in other school programs, such as fellowships that pay Yale Law students who spend their summers working for nonprofits like ADF, or even if conservative students should be admitted. When Senator Cruz got wind of this, he fired off a letter to Yale. As one of the nation's most respected schools, Yale Law School has an obligation to protect intellectual diversity and to respect constitutional rights of its students, he wrote in a letter sent last week. However, public news reports indicate that Yale Law has recently adopted a transparently discriminatory policy, namely that Yale will no longer provide any stipends or loan repayments for students serving in organizations professing traditional Christian views or adhering to traditional sexual ethics. The Republican, a Harvard Law graduate, went on to note that the First Amendment protects both free speech and the free exercise of religion. Yale's new policy does neither. Instead, it appears that the policy arose from unconstitutional animus and a specific discriminatory intent both to blacklist Christian organizations like the Alliance Defending Freedom and to punish Yale students whose values or religious faith lead them to work there. Cruz wrote that he is opening an investigation into the matter, warning that the investigation may include a subpoena or a referral to the Department of Justice for action against the school. He also said the letter should serve as notice of Yale's obligation to take reasonable steps to retain all information relevant to this investigation and potential litigation. In the meantime, if Yale Law School decides to alter its position and cease discriminating against religious students and organizations, please let me know, Cruz said in closing. 
You can get the whole story through the link on my show notes. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. St. Leonidas, the martyr, had a son whose name was Origen. He loved him dearly because Origen was his youngest child. Origen was innocent and had a great horror of sin, which made his father love him all the more. Often at night, when the child was sleeping, he'd go to him quietly and kiss his breast, then kneel down and say prayers at his side. His wife saw him do this and asked Leonidas the reason for what he did. Our child is the living temple of the Holy Spirit, he said. God lives in his soul by grace, and I want to honor the place where God reposes. The Holy Spirit makes you holy through the gift of his sanctifying grace. Through that grace, he dwells in your soul as in a temple. Try to remember this divine guest as Leonidas did, and hate sin which defiles that temple as Origen hated it. I'll see you next time, Six Packers. And remember, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.